0: This is the Mouths of the South podcast.
1: You shut your mouth when you're talking to
0: me. The official Dirty South soccer podcast. Do you
1: understand the words that are coming out of my mouth?
0: Talking all things Atlanta United FC.
1: Don't nobody understand the words that are coming out of your mouth,
0: man. We are... South. The South got something to say. That's all I got to say. What's up, Atlanta? This is the Mouse of South podcast brought to you by Dirty South Soccer in the Palatial 680 The Fan Studios. I am Eric Quintana. Next to me, Mr. Josh Magrianski. And across from me, Mr. Sam Franco. Mm-hmm. Gentlemen,
1: how are you? Pretty good. Uh, yeah. A little wet? It's it's a little wet. Yeah, I was coaching, so fortunately, I was prepared with my rain gear today, which isn't always the case. So I'm not as wet as I could be. Uh, so yeah, I guess it's been a good day so far. I, I wore the right clothing to coach. There you go. So I'm ready. I'm ready for a good podcast. Sam? More prepared than ever. Sam, how's it going?
2: Good. It's been a busy uh, few, I guess, days, weeks with uh, the Super Bowl and everything. You know, and in, in my line of work, it's all about finding the right uh, moments to uh, get on some uh, on some nice apparel. So. Uh, it's been very busy doing that, but now that that's over with, it still stays busy because you got the NBA All-Star Game and everything. So there's a lot of sporting going on right now, not the least of which concerns us, MLS getting ready to start up here.
0: Before we get into that, we do want to talk about some apparel you can get.
2: Like, like this hat that I'm wearing right <laughs> Lucid now? Lucid
0: FC, a sponsor of the Miles of South podcast, Lucid FC, a distinctive... Distinctively modern clothing line based right here in Atlanta, reflects a deeply British American heritage design approach uh, to clothing, promotes freedom in fashion, gender, and role. The brand's iconic logo is immediately recognizable. Lucid FC, clothing is creative and functional. You got pants, outerwear, hats, shirts, hoodies. I'm a big fan of the hats. I know you are too. Oh, yeah. I like the hoodies that I saw. Uh, Josh, ask me what FC stands for. What does FC stand for? Lucid FC. It stands for Lucid FC Footwear and clothing. Oh, I see that's a perfect it, match. Okay.
1: For the all kind of weird. Fans okay.
0: of the football clubs, uh take a look at www.lucidfc.us, uh figure out why everyone's uh getting on on board with this. Uh you can follow them on Instagram on, on Twitter at Lucid FC. Yeah. Again, Buckhead Village, I think. Uh, is where they're located. The so if you get yeah. a chance to go check out the store, uh, they're in select retailers: Urban Outfitters, Wish, uh, Epitome. So if you get a chance, uh, make sure you take a look yep. at them. And uh, big thanks to Lucid FC yeah. for sponsoring the lads. podcast. And if
1: you're watching on the live stream, Sam actually has a hat, so I'm sure oh, yeah. you know you can see that logo. You, you see that thing all over town. The, uh,
0: I went with the red and black one. It's mm. the black one with the red bill and the red uh, mm-hmm. red logo mm-hmm. there. Yeah, Good I fan. just wanted nice. this nice, nice, you
2: know, gray color hat just because I don't really have any gray hats and there aren't really that many you see like around so like this is something that just kind of sticks out for me and I gave my girlfriend one of the sweatshirts oh loves
1: it she like says it's like the yeah. most comfortable thing she has right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm used to being uh, ostracized for my dress, but this has <laughs> this, been a this, this nice little change of pace where I actually feel kind of cool. This would help yeah, you out a Yeah, cool bit. and stylish, trendsetter. It's a new thing for me. So. Check them out,
0: lucidfc.us, Thanks, Lucid. at lucidfc on, on uh, Instagram and
1: Twitter. All right, the big news of the day. Big news of the day, Tito Jabba, still on our minds. The big news of the day is our boys' article, Teodo football, Tito about T. W. On, on Dirty South soccer. Go check it out if you haven't. But a great topic piece that we'll be discussing. Tito W.
2: Jabba's been on the mind of Atlanta United fans for like a long yeah. time since he got sold. Like since we were talking about this for the past like couple weeks, the
0: topic isn't going away. Yeah. Can we say this is one of the hottest of takes? In rec- article in recent memory. Well, let's, that, so. So, so the take is <laughs> let's dissect that. But just Joe, before we dissect, we can. Uh, let's give let's give the people some 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 warning as to
1: what they're about to walk into well i think it's it's a simple take uh although uh, the great thing is that you know and that's why i recommend go read the article i don't necessarily agree with him but the take is based on hard evidence and data and basically uh mr football mr teodo football was saying that uh tito vijalba top five winger in the Tam-era in MLS, which I actually just realized is, actually, I thought it was fur- further back, but it's back to 2015.
2: Yeah, so a- as you kind of think about it from when, I guess, we first kind of saw that this was going to be an article or whatever, it's like, wait, like, fifth, like, top five MLS winger ever? And, like, you know, and then it was, like, scaled back to this. So it's not as, like, hot takeish or, yeah. like, bombshelly, but still... Definitely a uh, an interesting take, and, and one that you said has the the data or whatever yeah, to back absolutely. it up. I think it's almost more of like a misinterpretation of the data if you kind of come at it like how we right.
1: Think about it. Well, if you look just at the data, and I know we're going to address the context part of his career in Atlanta United and all that, but if you do look just at the data, he is in elite uh, territory if you uh, look at uh, combined goals and assists. Uh, He's in that top five, top six uh, category since 2015, as we said when TAM started. If you add his uh, expected goal and expected assists per 90 minutes, I know you love that stat, Eric. Uh, Also elite in the top five and matched up basically with guys like ahead of him, Carlos Vela, Diego Rossi. Miguel Amiron, who we know very well. There's our obligatory Miguel Amiron mention very early <laughs> on. Walked <laughs> right into that into one. The, I know Nacho Piatti, and uh, and then he's also you've got Alessandrini, Darwin Quintero, Clint Dempsey, Fabian Castillo, and Albert Elise uh, on this list. So if you look at the statistics, I mean, he certainly is. I think, and in in looking at the numbers. You are talking about an elite winger, uh, and again, the TAM era. And again, I would say that, yes, the TAM era does exclude a lot of other MLS soccer, but that is when the money's increased, and that is when you do see, I think, more increased better players. So I still think this list, even if you went all the way back to the beginning of MLS in 96 or whatever it was, I think... You'd maybe add two or three players to this list, but it'd still be a very similar uh, 9 or 10 uh, in terms of yeah, your, your the elite, elite winger statistically. Yeah,
0: the elites have, have, have only really come come about in, sure. in the most recent years yeah. in the TAM era, era as, he, as he points out. He, here's what I'll say. All these numbers outside of uh, Diego Rossi and Carlos Vela basically look, in terms of the final goals to assist per 90, basically the same. They're roughly the same.
1: Uh, he, well, as, as far as per 90, yes, exactly. Yeah, so per 90 if, if
0: we're looking at that, if we're looking
1: at at expected goals, which. Only trailing Vela and Rossi in this list here.
0: I, I just look at it and I'm like, all right, well, based off the numbers, okay, he's average with everyone else. Or he's right on par with everyone yeah, else. I mean, and you're not going to put everyone in that elite category. You want to put Carlos Vela, you want to put Diego Rossi in that elite ca- category? Fine. <laughs> That's not the argument he's making. The argument he's making is he's top five in, in, in the Tam era,
1: which essentially means. Top five of all time, like we just said. Maybe there are a couple of guys that before Tam that that, that you could throw into this list. So I, I know that uh, Eric obviously thinks Tito Viljab was a terrible player nope, in general. Nope, 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 <laughs> no, nope, nope. I still want him on my team. But here we go. I still again. want him on my team. Here's my thing with the, with the, with the, with the list here. I, I just so the other nine guys I named off have one thing in common. And that's they start every match. Yep. Tito Viljaba. And at Granity he was unlucky with injuries. Uh, I, I think that certainly the tactical system of Frank de Boer, he's a bit unlucky, doesn't fit into it. But the reality is, two years in a row playing two different systems, he was dropped by Tata Martino going to the playoffs when he went to three five two, five three two. And then with Frank de Boer's tactics system coming in and of course injuries and all that, he drops him as well. So this is, I mean, if, if you look at it, I don't see how you can consider a guy, even an elite winger in this league, when he hasn't been able to start for two different managers under two different systems when it mattered the most in the postseason. I would say that if you are
0: an elite player on any team, in some way or the other, the, the, the team is building itself around you or in part around you. Sure. You're a key piece to that to that, to that that overall And that's puzzle. the
1: case for every player on this list, I'd except say, for except B. for him. And, and on the one hand, that's credit to Atlanta United for, I think, amassing a lot of attacking sure. talent. But at the same time, Eric, I mean, you can't deny it. I mean, even if you go down to at least for Houston, who I think I would say Tito is probably a, a better overall player than him, although he's a fine winger, that's a guy that Houston relies on. You know, I mean, th- yeah. these are these are guys that were the... Focal point going forward for their sides when they were when they are were in MLS or or those that still are is the case as well.
0: I think
2: there's always going to be a little bit of what could have been maybe, especially on sure. the back half of his career. Like if he had been given the opportunity to play more, or quite frankly, if and this might be a lesser if because Josh mentioned his playing time in the playoffs in 2018 went down what if Tata Martino had stayed another year? You know, like like what sure. would that have done for Tito Vigiava? Would he have figured out a way to get back into the lineup, be even more uh, effective and impactful on the Atlanta United team? And then you're starting to talk about maybe those numbers that we already look at there and in, in uh, Toyota Football's piece and think – impressive, you know, that he's been able to do this despite not getting as much playing time as literally all those other guys on that list would have gotten more playing time within the same sort of time frame window, so it really is impressive what he was able to do and what he could have done, given more time, more opportunity, and quite frankly, a better fitting I system would, I, to him,
1: I agree, and I would totally agree with uh, Mr. Football's point uh, that he is. <laughs> Mr. Least, Football, that this is a lot of fun. <laughs> By the way, we know his real name. We will not say it on the air. Don't say it. Although he's been upsetting me recently, I'm gonna, and we've been arguing about everything recently on our Slack chat. So I might have to just reveal it. No, I would. You never, just call him a catfish. He's I like would not. Who he says <laughs> his he actual is? name is Teodo Football. Uh,
2: <laughs> but, no, so, so to his point, important. though,
1: and I think he did a good job through the statistics of recognizing what sam is saying that if things had worked out different uh from you know a health standpoint from the context of the manager he's playing for i think also the context of going and getting players like barco and pt and gressel emerging or directly competing with him for minutes certainly when you look at the output that he did have in the time he spent on the pitch he has the ability i think to be one of those elite wingers in mls i just refuse to say a player who was behind Barco and Pizzi last year is one of the best let, to let, play in the Tam era.
0: Let's just make sure we're clear. I know we've, I think we've already said this once, but just to be clear, just because we're not, but just because we're kind of crapping on the article a little bit doesn't mean that we don't think Vijalba is a good player. You
1: no, know, and I think Sam's point is, echoes, I mean, I know we kind of all a little different on what we think of him as a player in general. Again, Eric thinks he's terrible. No, nope, not true. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> of course, and, I'm, and I kid, of course. But I do Eric think. Eric would rather have, uh, Uh, Freddie Adu. That's right. Well, that's our obligatory Freddie Adu mention. We got that out of
0: the way, too. It was a solid argument, okay? I really think that the team really could have done themselves favor by trying to get Freddie Adu on the team, and
1: there we go. There Cut me we off go. whenever you want. I mean, the guy was on <laughs> no, Sports I, Illustrated cover, I, man. I just want to see where you are going with this, man. I just want to see if maybe this time just you going if you can turn
0: it, if you can turn his career around,
1: you do yourself wonders. Uh, anyways, so moving back, favors. it really is Freddie Adu will throw off any soccer discussion in America. You just you're just like thrown off.
2: Well, you know, Josh, you got to go back to go
1: forward. It really. You know? <laughs> th- well, we're going way back here. So, I, but but no, I think and I think Sam's point. I think, like I was saying, it echoes the way we feel, and I think the way most people should feel, that maybe most people disagree with him being an elite winger uh, in MLS, but clearly, based on the output that he that he produced when he was on the pitch, and it's not like he was on the bench all the time, uh, but his output being on the level of these guys shows you that he's a very, very good player, no matter how highly or low you rate him. He's still a very good player. I
0: Look, there, there <laughs> A lot of what I'm about to say is very circumstantial, mm-hmm. uh, very a, a product of of uh, what was going on in match and matches at that time. But when did we generally see Tito come in toward the end of his time with Atlanta United?
2: Seventieth minute or after, especially for under the up Yeah,
0: and generally, what happens? 70, 80th, eightieth, ninetieth minute. He's super fast,
2: he's running at defenders, they're tired.
0: Okay, so, like, I'm not trying to take away anything <laughs> away. I'm not trying to take away what he did against some of these teams, and I haven't looked back. I don't know when exactly some of the better goals that he scored happened to be in, and I'm not really talking about Orlando either Orlando mm-hmm. team. Has Eric found a new way to crap on Tito I don't Tito know, this here? is going to be interesting. What yeah. I what I, what I I think we all have to realize is that he was put into games toward the end of his time with Atlanta United, where it was really beneficial for him to be the fastest guy on the field by a mile.
2: I have yeah. not heard Eric crap on Tito this way yet. I, I so this is... Look, this is <laughs> he's not even on the team anymore, so he, he's still he, figuring out new ways. I know, to I here's, can't believe here's, it.
0: Here's an argument that can kind of work <laughs> both ways, just depending on how you how you view Tito. Uh, he was good in the moments that he was in the game. You can say that the coaches made des- good decisions by not putting him in the game. You took away his bad performances by not putting in, it, putting him in certain matches and put him in and Opened up his good performances mm-hmm. by putting him in uh, mm-hmm. when you did.
2: However, few the opportunities were
0: for. Does Tino, that make sense? I'm it trying to. No, it does. Yeah. It does.
2: However, few the opportunities were that he got, especially on the the latter half of his Atlanta United career. He made the most out of them for for better yeah. or worse when he, he when he come in and he's this player really hard nose, gonna run at you, gonna run at you really hard, determined to get past you, whether he was going to do it or not. Whole different story in terms of his sort of lack of of control on the ball which would get him into a lot of turnover situations and and quite frankly sometimes that running at you as a defender the ball's going to bounce a certain way and you might get a little lucky yeah. sometimes and Tito was a yeah. beneficiary of that a lot to to Eric's credit for mentioning that a, a, a lot over the years it's like yeah the guy did kind of luck his way into things sometimes but you know what some players have made that into a skill. Yeah, I mean, eventually like that's, like that's a, a trend, talent. right? Right. Yeah,
0: and I think also, so, I mean, so year one is a trend. My my biggest argument against that was was that I, I that's not something I can depend on year in year out. As your that focal you point going, into, going sure, forward, yeah. sure. So now, if you have them, you have them as a as a, as a side piece to your overall well, a side you know, piece ooh, yeah. main gig. Uh, yeah, fine, whatever, do what you want you Gotta be careful, you gotta be careful with that side this piece why, This is why I was, I was not as uh, He doesn't know what we're talking about. I didn't want <laughs> Is there a tender for MLS wing? I wasn't all that upset about Tito being You know, obviously getting bought down from DP status In, in 2018 and then 2019 Because at that point, I'm like, alright, fine You can bring another player yeah. You brought in Payton, you brought in Barco, whatever I forget how that actually went down, but um, he didn't take up the spot that meant so much to MLS teams across the board. So as long as he did wasn't doing that, I didn't really uh, use him as a super sub. I don't care. I sure. thought he flourished in that position.
1: And and I think that yeah he did. And another thing is that with when you bring it like you said, defenders are tired when you come off the bench. The game's probably a little bit more open. Then you're extrapolating those stats. You get in those 20, 30 minutes into 90 mm. minutes, as we've seen with these. So you can see that, you know, as far as the stats in the article, to go back to that real quickly, those can be inflated on a per 90-minute basis if you're coming off the bench a lot. That being said, and Eric, we discussed this earlier, I think Tito Vijalba is still starting for any MLS team that's not Atlanta United and maybe LAFC. I, I think he's... I still think he's he is one of the better best or even the best one of the best attacking wingers in the league. We talked about this earlier. Right I threw
2: Seattle out there as well as a team that yeah he Seattle might potentially. Not start for. Yep. I mean they did just win. It would be Jovan Jones.
1: Jones if you're playing Joven Jones and Jordan Morris wide. Yeah. you could see it. But I, to me, I mean, I think you know because I'm hearing and Eric we we discussed this earlier when Eric was of course saying that. Uh, as we all know, he thinks he's no, terrible. Yeah. I'm just going to keep saying that until people believe it. <laughs> this is crap. But, is uh, But I disagree. No, I'm, and and I, I've seen not just you say this, Eric, but other people say that he's a rotation piece, that he is a super sub. I think that's specifically because Atlanta With United, Atlanta United yeah. are, 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 have that much attacking talent on the roster. I think that this is absolutely someone that would be the focal point of the attack for, I think, about half of the league. That says a lot more about half the league than Tito. <laughs> uh, but, But to me... He's he he's absolutely someone that's not a rotation piece, I think, that... It, he, oh, go ahead, yeah. Sorry, an elite winger, and it,
0: it, regardless of what level you're at, mm-hmm. an elite winger is going to, as soon as he's back from injury... We, we don't talk about Tito the same way we talk about Barco or Pity. As soon as they're back from injury, they're back. Yeah. Right back in the starting 11. Maybe one game they sub in He's in a early tough in the second spot. half. Yeah. But but as soon as they're back and they're healthy and they're in, we don't talk about Tito that same way because he just couldn't... He, he, this is why I don't see him as an elite elite winger. I'm not saying he's a bad player. I'm not saying he doesn't start on most MLS teams. But elite, I don't know, because an elite player
1: comes back from injury and right. immediately puts himself back in well, starting Well, they're valued another, by the team One like way that. or the other, yeah. yeah. And I think to Sam's point a little bit when he was talking earlier about, yeah, there's been some luck, but it became a trend with the statistics. Mm-hmm. I think at the same time with the lack of luck with injuries, at what point do you look at that as a trend too? He was injured when yes, he came sir. into Atlanta United at San Lorenzo, and before that... This might be a player that just, particularly with the way he plays, so powerful in yeah. the sprinting, uh, that that is just going to be hurt every single year. And I can't I can't consider him one of the best uh, players if he can't get on the field for more than twenty five matches a year.
2: Yeah, I think one thing you have to think about too with with a guy like this is, especially if you're thinking about this from the fans' perspective. Josh, you just talked about it where he he plays hard, man. That guy's coming in, yeah. and he's not uh, he's not going to be a player that. Is in there for possession, or is in there to pass the ball back and forth? When you when you bring him into the game, uh, I don't know. I can't even remember now if I said it now. But Leroy Jenkins—that's that, what this guy's kind of mentality is, where he's going to go in there, go full tilt. And I think not only from a fan perspective, you know, you, all fan bases love players like that, that that are going in there and really just doing whatever they can to help the team, which is what Tito did when he would go into these mm-hmm. games. But also just from a neutral like watching of soccer perspective. You like players that kind of throw a monkey rich into the equation sure. from time to time just in terms of the way they're going to play, maybe more of a wild card, because that, more than anything, especially in a league like MLS, can disrupt the game Oh and yeah, disrupt I mean, then, what a team yeah, is I, trying
1: to do. The amount of riches with Atlanta United, I mean, with a player like that coming off the bench the last two years, incredible.
0: The last thing uh, I'll say, and if if we can wrap it up with this, it'd be great, but the last thing i say is that I think that Tito Vigalbo is a player that was, was feast or famine. When the things were going great, it was awesome to watch, and and he had moments and going to very direct those moments. player, yeah. yeah. But when it wasn't going great, and there were I think there I think I would love to see the numbers on the things that didn't go well for, for Tito Vizantba, and the things he did screw up on, and and the things that you're not going to see on mm-hmm. on on a on a on a you know in the analytics. Well, I think mm-hmm. I want to see those things because I, I I remember I distinctly remember often leaning back in the press box, looking around at me, I'm like, "Do you guys you guys saw Tio do that right?" That's, I'm sure everybody and, was and, thrilled and with they you in the press. They didn't, they, they didn't say anything; they just kind of leaned back, laughed, oh, and, 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 say, and shook their heads. Eat like, your
1: macaroni and cheese <laughs> and leave us alone, Quintana. So
0: it's you, you know I, I, I no again I think we can sum it up by saying no, no one thinks he's a terrible player. I think we all wish him the We're best. A very good player. Yeah, he, he he gave us so many good moments. But based off what he's done for us lately, and I think that's the ultimate conversation you got to have with Tito at this point. Um, how much is he worth? Mm-hmm. How much is he worth to keep? How much is he worth to then sell off? Which leads to the discussion about his sale to Libertad in Paraguay. We've got rumors on numbers.
1: <laughs> and what, it, it's what was cuir- it, $200 million? It's, cu- it's curious Disparity to see wh- where... in the report. $350
0: <laughs> million, I believe. Where exactly you fall on this? Barco money. We've got Roberto Rojas, friend of the podcast and radio show, I think. Yeah, I have he's been on the radio show? both. Okay. Friend of the podcast and radio show. Some friend you are. Talking about $4 million. And then I saw him tweet something to else He said $4.2 million. To be fair, he was
1: reporting through a source. Okay, he well, wasn't we'll go, saying we'll himself. This. We'll get into this. Okay, all right, all right. Then we
0: got Paul Tenorio on the other side. And we'll read the tweets in a second. MLS Insider, yeah. Uh, another friend of the podcast. All of our talking friends. Talking about how the number huh. is more in the $1.5, $2. dollars range. Here's Roberto, Roberto Rojas' official tweet. Tito Vigalba's transfer fee from Atlanta United uh, to Libertad around $4 million, a record fee for a Paraguayan club. Uh, Tito Vizajabas, this is Paul Tenorio. Tito transfer fee: two sources with knowledge of the deal put the fee in the range of one point five to two million dollars so about half the 4 million dollars that was floated earlier.
2: So maybe Roberto is tweeting in guaranis, which is Paraguayan currency. I mean, maybe there's something lost in translation there. I don't know what the exchange rate is, but when I first saw that I, 4 million, I, million or 4 plus million dollar figure, I about fell off my chair. Like when I was reading that, I was like there's no way they got almost
1: double essentially what the rumor was they paid for him in the first place and he's not even been playing. And I mean, he got to to look at a few things, right? I mean, He's on the last year of his contract. Everyone not. knows that he might be on the way out the door anyway. So why on earth leverage. would you? There's there's no bidding war that we know of. So why would you offer four million when clearly you could get him for less? It's not like Atlanta was holding out for this exorbitant fee for him. I they were they were, from all reports, shopping him throughout the off season or at least, willing to wish listen for offers. I would say one and a half to two million is a great figure. But oh, the yeah, four absolutely. million thing, based on all the context here and the fact that. You know, is a Paraguayan club really willing to set the transfer record within the league... And then, by the way, so I got in this discussion with some Paraguayan guys on there. And one of the oh, guys yeah. said some other guy was, uh, had the transfer record, $4.8 Then some other guy said, no, you're talking about Canadian dollars. So, <laughs> <laughs> no, but, I'm not kidding. Yes. I, was trying to have, I was trying to speak with these guys in Spanish, so on think it's Twitter. It's possible that we could it have some like,
2: currency situation a, going on.
1: Yeah, so I have no idea what's going on here.
2: Welcome to South America right, Transfer exactly. Rumors. All right. So we,
1: but but a, hu- a huge fee for uh, the league... With that amount of money in it, not a ton, and considering, again, last year of, your, of his deal and the fact that everyone already knew Atlanta United were willing to do business. So, Josh makes a good point because leverage.
2: It's like, leverage, what yeah. leverage did, uh, you know, or does Atlanta United have in this case? You mentioned it. You know, a guy that was going to be on the last year of his contract. All you have to do is go look at, like, the back half of the season where Tito Villalba just wasn't playing. Yeah. In fact, I don't think he could. He could have done Played like some of the best soccer for his entire career for that, that stretch of the games, and it's like Eric said earlier, because PT or Barco coming back from injury, they automatically sub back yeah. in regardless yeah. of what Tito wasn't had done because he wasn't a fit. So, so, so that's the thing. So it's like there was no leverage there. So to come in at like four million, it's like whoa. But even then, if it's two million. That's still a win for yeah, Atlanta United. To, to me,
1: that's to me one and a half two million is more realistic example of mm-hmm. Atlanta United doing really good business yeah. with a player on the last year of his deal. I, I really, I really hope Roberto's not listening to this podcast. No, we love. I-
0: but the thing is, the thing is, I, I got to go with veteran experience. I, if well, you got to well, pick one hating. or the other, it's I, not. It's not hate. It's just look. I. I, I don't. I'd be happy to go with Roberto, just the context doesn't line up with. 4 well, that, that's the thing you look Let's at. You look three. at the whole. You, you look at the whole story, and it just doesn't Canadian make dollars. sense. <laughs> what I'm more willing to believe is that the original offer from Atlanta, because I mean, you're right. What, what leverage does Atlanta United have? And on top of that, I think it, I think it's safe to say that Tito was the one that asked to
1: leave. So it seemed li- like if, he was if, very unhappy last if year. Libertad, year.
0: If, if Libertad is looking, is it? If Libertad is approached, they're not gonna, they're not gonna take the first offer. So right. it, I, it's more likely for me. And look, I'm just speculating at this point, but I'm more likely to believe that the initial offer for uh, the initial request was for four million from Atlanta United, and the 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 rebuttal was one point five to two million, something like that. Yeah. And maybe I, I just look. I, there's there's. You got to choose sides, right? You got to believe some one or the other. I mean, that's a huge Correct? discrepancy. Correct?
1: Yeah, no, and I mean one and a half. Right? It's only two million dollars, but that's only double the fee. Though. I mean, that's double the, the reports are. That four million to one and a half to two is a huge yeah, discrepancy. A big, two
0: million dollars is like all right, cool. We got we got some money. We we got the money we paid for him back. Four million is like we made money off of Tito yeah, right now.
2: Less circles like a two million dollar or one and a half million dollar discrepancy or whatever the figure is. It's like. That's a lot for MLS transfer, players, we were, especially we were, for a guy like Tito. We mm-hmm. were sitting
0: there about to, about to uh, uh, sing Atlanta United's praises over the money that they got for Tito. Again, like you guys said, a guy that's not playing, a guy that's the last two years has been hurt pretty regularly, that's fallen out of favor with, uh, with a, t- a, t- a coach like Tata Martino. Um, it fell out of favor with, with Frank Boer for you know
1: 30 different reasons. Injury history, last yeah, year I, like, of contract. What, what, in what, in, bad entitlement. Erricates him. No. It, well, yeah, There are but, just so many red flags In what world? Guy.
0: I just don't... I, I, I didn't
1: get it. I was like, in what, what world did he worth $4 million? And it wasn't like... And a, that was one... Even before the one and a half two came out, and that might have... Actually, he might have reported that because he was like, oh my God, $4 million. You can't. Even before... The one and a half two million came out after... Even when we saw that, I mean, we were talking about it. This seems pretty high. And also, you'd think that Libertad, if they were spending that type of money on a player, they would want people to. I mean, I know it's different with MLS transfers, but you figure they'd want people to know that we're going out and, you know, spending a club record <laughs> fee on this guy, you know? So I, I don't know. It just, the context doesn't line up with it. Either way, though, I think wh- whichever of those numbers you believe, it's good business for Atlanta United. I agree. Well, especially in, if I'm they even
2: it. just made back what they bought him for, like, I think they, they were able to and do that.
1: The one and a half to two would be yeah, about that about saying. that amount. Yeah. So if you if you read some of the Paltonoria thread
0: uh, on the issue, mm-hmm. and it's funny he gets into it with trains a little bit. Uh, our yeah. friend ATL
1: trains, our championship uh, trains, uh, but
0: effectively, Elena, I don't think they made all their money back, but most, if I read it correctly. So that's still be good. It's you know it comes out relatively even. I think Atlanta United takes a little bit of a loss, but hey you you, you love to make up, all you your money up, back. You open up a lot of cap room. Yeah. And uh and you're able to use it's that money to go play somewhere
2: else. Look I know Atlanta United has prided or I don't think that's the word prides themselves on getting these players from yeah. South America young and then being able to flip them for a lot more down the road, it doesn't always work out. And I think Tito V. Jalba might just be the example. Maybe it had worked out if he was playing in a different system for a different team or whatever. Who knows? Maybe this guy is showing his, his skills to, to go to Europe one day yeah. or something. And- but.
1: This and de- didn't really work out. Either. And depending on which reports you believe, you either won major money back, almost or ish, <laughs> or, or made a, or sold him for five hundred billion dollars. So I mean, it's one <laughs> of the two. Uh, just five hundred billion? Yeah, just five hundred billion Barco money. But uh, you know, <laughs> but I think you know with 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 the fees. I mean, it, no matter how you look at it, it's good business because I figured he was going to go for like similar to like what Gressel went for in TAM dollars, which was what like around a. a 800. I, I thought it to would be just million. like, kind of like a,
0: here, just get them off our books. 800 w- K to a million.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. But I, now we'll see if the club reinvests the money. And and uh, I think Frank DeBoer is on record saying we have to turn every penny around. So I'm hoping that we'll see this money go right back into the team. And, and um, do, so are we done with the with the with the dollars and cents? Yeah. Sure. Okay. All I
2: wanted to say was that yeah. when I heard that, you know, Libertad was the club, am I the only person that got like Scarface stuck in my head? You know <laughs> the, like when they're about to kill that team yes. and they're like, Libertad, I
1: did. Liber-tad. Yeah, <laughs> so like I've had that so. stuck
2: in my head for like the last week.
1: <laughs> four million. Yeah, four million, <laughs> like, yeah,
2: four million. four
1: million. Four <laughs> million. Uh but I, and the last thing I'd say about Tito, in terms of you know, we kinda mentioned this earlier, and I think you could see it in the preseason game where we're about to talk to against Elfsberg, Elfs, I don't know how to pronounce Elfs- it. Elfsborg. Uh, the uh, We're never going to say that name again. Elfsborg. 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 <laughs> I don't know. They have that's free health care there. That's from, all I know. Yeah, coming from that's, from uh, that's why they played them. They were <laughs> scouting them for signing. Um, but uh, I thought, you know, if you look at that game and the tactics in that game and the way that Frank DeBoer wants his wingers to play, they're not even wingers. I mean, you're basically playing a double. Cam system with Barco and Petey, where both of them are expected to check inside and play underneath Joseph, and then your wide players are actually kind of your wing backs. Mm-hmm. You know, so we saw Morini play there. That's where we saw Gressel play last year. Uh, we, uh, we, you know, so we've seen. That's not really a position for Tito either. You know, he's not a wide midfielder. That's a little more uh, withdrawn or wing back. And then as a winger, he's a player that wants to be on the touchline so he's in space and can run at people. Like you said earlier, Eric, he's not a player who comes into the middle and combines and passes. So he's not a player that helps you in Frank DeBoer's system from a maintaining possession standpoint. And you're limiting him by telling him to pinch into the middle and combine and play with others. So I thought that game where you saw the team come out in that 3-4-2-1 system or whatever you want to call it was a perfect example of why Tito Villalba from a tactical standpoint was never really going to fit into Frank DeBoer's plans unless he was playing him up top. Yeah. Okay. okay. Good yeah, talk. <laughs> yeah, all right. <laughs> this has been episode uh, two hundred three yeah, of it. of We're the We're done. Show. But uh, you get what I'm saying, right? He doesn't fit yeah. tactically. No, PT I mean, and Bar- and we know this, right? PT and Bar- but, are but, best but it, as like tens when they come into the middle. But you but you don't want to lose your advantage with the center mid. So for instance, we saw PT play the true underneath position uh, as the highest center midfielder last year, right? And it was a disaster. So what Frank DeBoer is doing is he wants his Quote unquote wide players to pinch into the middle, and they fill in that area that the number 10 would, and then you can play more with Joe on your midfield three, and Tito Bijalba is not doing that. I mean, you don't, you're not. You don't have to convince yeah. me to like. I just wanted to make sure so, it makes sense. Because yeah, you know, was no, the no, for sure. Pause after well, I mean, I was you were done. telling
0: like we, everything you said. It was like, yep, yep, agreed. Good. sometimes I'm not gonna have so a good well. rebuttal for that. What did yeah. you What
1: did you guys think of the? I mean, moving on from Tito wh- tactically, whatever. What did you guys think of the the match itself, though, against Elvisport? So I, we actually have games to talk about. I nice. loved.
0: I loved how uh, attacking it looked because mm-hmm. I'm so sick of the 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 boring soccer conversation of the. I fell in love with 2017 and right. Um, that's what made me fall in love with the United. I'm so sick of that conversation. I want them to at least kill that conversation pretty quickly with however they play. And I think that what you saw, um, pretty much throughout the match, was a press. You saw a, a dedication to get up the field quickly. Yep. Um, you saw a dedication to 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 really win the ball back um, all across the field, which is part of the press. But it was it was a lot more enjoyable to watch, to watch aesthetically, more enjoyable to watch. Um, even though it's a preseason game and I'm not going to take a ton away from it what I did see I liked seems like the team has a
1: better understanding of what is expected of them tactically than last I
0: year I think it almost it, it look yeah sure it, it looks it looks different from what we saw um you know in in in, in CCL last year it looks different from what we see, saw in preseason last year well the first
1: 2 months sure, of the MLS whatever.
0: season it felt like I, I I enjoyed the new faces I think I think I think Mulraney is going to be end up being the left back he if looked, no one else
1: Well, he looked good in that that wing-back wide midfield position I just kind of mentioned. Yeah. Uh, I thought, yeah, I agree. I was pleasantly surprised with I, him. I I don't know how much I love. Here's the thing. And we'll
0: get into the uh, Rosero signing here in yeah. a little bit. I'm like, man, at what point does this midfield get too crowded? Especially if you had a guy like him. Because if you got both both Barco and Pity kind of bring it coming back into the middle of the field, and you've got Rometty and you've got Hyman and whoever else ends up mm-hmm. being in the midfield, it's I feel like it's going to be a a and packed midfield in the sense that it's it's what you saw was Barco get the get the ball go the field and and, and take oh, off all over the You saw place. sort of sort of the same at of pity. You saw pity all over the field. You saw Joseph drop back. Um, I think more so than we've ever seen him drop back, at least in one than one match. I, again, I can't take too much away yeah, because no.
1: all we can wanna, talk about is what we yeah, saw. Exactly,
0: because it, one, you have no idea what what say Birmingham Legion is going to come up against. So maybe they decide, well, maybe Birmingham Legion enter the uh, into the match looking at uh, looking to sit back to to see El United in that kind of environment where they struggled mightily last year. That's where I'm more interested. I know what they can do in the open field. We have, we've all seen that. What do they do against a team that's going to bunker? That's that's my biggest question for the entire season because that's I think ultimately what they're going to face more often than not outside of the likes of Seattle uh, LAFC New York Red Bulls those teams aren't going to bunker everyone else for the most part I feel like is going to have pick their moments where they just sit back and let Atlanta United lose the ball and I mean, then the biggest thing we've all have concerns over is the counter and so how do how does Atlanta United kind of counteract that
2: I think that's why like when you see these preseason games you know you can have an idea of like I guess how you're going to look in the attack against more of, like, an open system. But, like, no teams in these games are coming in and really bunkering because there's nothing to lose, literally. It's an exhibition. So you want to see your team playing open, want to see your team doing that. So that's why, you know, Elvesborg, Philadelphia Union, and their, like, eight trainers that were on the field, you know, or, like, whatever, you know, it's, like, one of these things where you're not going to be able to see that in terms of, like, the bunkering discussion until – you actually get into competitive games, so you don't really get to get a look at that. But at the same time, what you do get a look at is sort of the the fluidity of your team. And, and both of you mentioned this earlier, but Atlanta United looked way more like comfortable with, with Frank DeBoer's manager. They looked way more comfortable and way more fluid in running what it looks like he wants them to yeah. run than they did last season at this point because I think there was just so much of a culture shock at first going from Tata Martino to Frank yeah. DeBoer and what they just, you know, had no idea what to do slash all of the players were probably falling into their old habits, you know, being like, we're going to do this, we're going to do this. And then you've got to, as a manager, get that out of them. You don't have that this year, A, because the players that have been on the team last year already have that uh, experience under Frank DeBoer. And B, you know, he's he's starting to bring in the type of players that he wants in this yeah. system more anyway. And players that are probably more comfortable playing in that system.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. And while some people might say, hey, you had some great results in preseason last year, too, I do think from a tactical standpoint, the team understands better what they want. But what's interesting to me is... Let's time out.
0: Last year, you also were playing like Cal Fullerton, and you played the U18 <laughs> Jolos. Jolos team, and I forget what the other think team was. there was one against an MLS side you got a good result last year. Okay, but the point is... No, I... I, I, I a, I'm not... A, yeah, and, a and, and I think... A professional Swedish team, a, uh, you're going up against... Uh, it's Birmingham Legion, but they're still going to up a good fight you you just uh
1: you just well you know, handled si- philadelphia though, like with, sam said not, just, a, not their first yeah team exactly you,
0: you just signed up with the uh, black lions here in uh in in, in mexico Leones negro so i mean they're they're attempting to make it make it a little bit more competitive a, a good jumping a good jump start to to going into ccl action i
1: i appreciate that fact from a tactical standpoint. The team looks more like what they want. They're doing what they want, like you guys said. But I would also... What Frank DeBoer wants to do is so, so ambitious. It's I think it's much from a system t- standpoint, it's a little actually less pragmatic than what Tata Martino uh, did, where you had more defined roles for the team. But this is a very attacking team. When you consider who came in this offseason, you brought in an Edgar Castillo to play as an outside back or wing back. You brought in a Brooks Lennon. So... That's too extraordinary, uh, Jake Mulraney, extraordinarily attacking wide players, okay? So you want to attack with your fullbacks, you know, you, or, if, or if you play in a three, yeah. you want to, then your center midfield we will get to Rossetto in a second. You're going to play Rossetto and Rametti and leave Hyman on the bench. You pay all that money? No, I think you're probably going to play a midfield three of whoever your six is and then Hindman, who we all know is an attacking-minded center mid, and Rossetto, who is a very attacking-minded center mid as well. Then what do you want from your Wings, Barco, and Pitti? You want them to stay high up the pitch and find spaces in attack. That is a very attack-minded shape where you're basically going forward with every single player except your two center backs and maybe your CDM if he chooses to do that. If what? you lose that- the ball when you're committed forward like that, that's a big matzo ball right there. I see. That's what makes. <laughs> that's it, my <laughs> new saying.
0: <laughs> that's what. That's my big uh, concern when it comes to uh, love Seinfeld And uh, yeah, we'll get him to a second whenever we get to him. When, when he when he does, if he does enter, well, when he does enter the, enter the picture, and I assume that because they paid a transfer fee and they're using TAM money, that yeah, he's totally. going, he's scheduled to be a starter. Uh, I I gotta think that the natural in, in, in inclination for. Barco, for pity, is to come back into the middle of the field and to centrally and and and, and retrieve the ball, much like they, they did against right. Ellsworth. But you
1: don't want them to come back defensively.
0: You don't? Yeah. But is that, are you asking Rosenthal to do that then as well? Because he looks like he, the right. kind of player and that, and I, like,
1: if he's being compared to Almiron, he's going to be up the field. I agree. And, and I think, then you're left with Heinemann. And I think that goes to show you, media. when you look at the signings you've made, how incredibly ambitious Frank DeBoer is, that he wants to play a possession style, but he wants to be super aggressive and play eight, nine guys in the opposition's half. He's like overcorrecting from last year. (laughs) Uh, And look, and to be fair to him, and we talked about this all last year, he was very pragmatic. I think he realized, okay, we've got to add some of the 2017-2018 Atlanta United to our game. This year, to your point, Sam, he's got more of his players in. We see what type of players they are, very attack-minded, kind of box-to-box guys who can play, who are versatile. Uh, But it's just very, very ambitious, I think, what he wants to do. If it comes off, it's going to look great. If it doesn't, you're going to be basically hoping you win matches 4-2, four, 4-3. Four, and uh, I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, that's not a recipe for success. Why now- does it
2: always seem like that's the issue with Atlanta United? Like Even going back to to Martino, it's yeah. like, okay, however the approach is in terms of getting the ball down the field and being primarily in the attacking sector of the field— but what if that team springs a counter on you? That's always been the issue with Atlanta. You know, how are you going to and defend that if you've got so many people? Yeah, forward? sure. And, oh,
0: I, and t- what, Tata never said that that, that was never going to happen. He actually said that's the one thing. Uh, you, well, that's the plight of being
1: good as right, exactly. you commit bodies forward. It's um, kind of different, though, yeah. where
2: it's like Tata Martino made you know no apologies for it. He's like, this is how we're going to play. We're going to be on the field. We'll probably be in some shootout-type games where a lot of goals are scored, and we'll probably give some up. Frank DeBoer, as, as Josh said earlier— way more pragmatic approach i think to the point of he's like well we can be good at both and in this yeah. system if he's going to really crank it up to 11 like we're, we're thinking he is with the signings that Atlanta United's made that's when you you know is is it is it almost a little bit of arrogance like like a guy like Frank DeBoer coming in being like i'm going to come in here and now that i've kind of gotten rid of some of the players that i don't think fit here and we're we're getting more of kind of kind sure. of fit into my system I can go for the throat. I know I'm a better coach than all these other guys in this league because I've I've come from Europe, blah, blah, blah. It's like, okay, does he have – does his ambition of wanting to kind of be the super attacking team, is it going to cost Atlanta right. United defensively because he thinks, oh, we'll be fine defensively because I, I've done this assist. Is it going to cost Atlanta United? Is it going to be almost too big of a risk?
0: Part of the equation in being more attacking is getting paid to score. And the one thing I do love is in the last two friendlies, mm-hmm. he's got three goals. Yep.
1: Mm-hmm. and scoring right, nice little right footed foot
0: preseason matches um so I do love the fact that he's scoring I do love the fact that he he it looks like he's gained his confidence back I love the emotion I saw after the one he scored against ellsborg it's 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 a sign of hopefully good things to come he's certainly going to be part of the equation hopefully it's a it's a matter of um of just getting a full offseason. it's a matter of uh getting more comfortable with his with his teammates getting mm-hmm. more comfortable with, with with the situation he's in getting more comfortable with frank de Boer. Uh, maybe more of an understanding of what his role is going to be now that that you know yeah. there's, there's a shift and, in the uh,
1: in 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 the matrix. Yeah, with it's <laughs> true. The, the shift in the matrix is. But I think a big a big thing also was that I would be. You could probably count the amount of matches PT and Barco starred together on. One hand, maybe two and hands was, last and, and, year, and I remember
0: thinking he's always looked better when Barco's in the and
1: match. And I think the reason for that is now, when you just mentioned this earlier, Eric, is that Barco's role as the quote unquote left-sided attacker is to drift, drop into the midfield, pick up the ball, carried into attack. You saw P.T. Martinez try to do that last year. It's just not his game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so now we watch it when Barco drops in and all of a sudden looks almost like a four-four-two, where P.T. just goes up and plays alongside Joseph while Barco advances the ball. So he's getting the ball closer to the goal, around the goal, and able to show those talents uh, just because of, 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 I think, the team understanding the system a little better and also having a, a player like Barco that enables him to go forward and get into the positions that he wants to be in. And then I think also with the nail on head, Eric, that just being comfortable, having another yep. year, uh, having a full off season. You know, he had played in the Club World Cup uh, last year and had like a month off. You I know? feel like so- I'm
2: having like deja vu here too because it's like the back half of last season where we finally mm-hmm. started to see yes. Barco and PT get into yep. the lineup together. It's like no Barco coming in, kind of doing the things that – when Barco was out, FDB was asking Pitty to do. Yeah. Pitty clearly didn't want to do them because it's not like part yeah. of his game. That's yeah, sort of exactly. being more dropped back and then pushing forward, whereas he just kind of wants to receive the ball already forward and then kind of do his thing. And now that Barco is, is you know healthy going into this season, we don't have to worry about an injury right now. I mean, it always could happen. But as of right now, you've got both of them in the lineup. That's going to free up Pitty and allow him to sort of be that, like Josh said, push forward, a little tucked oh, yeah. in right behind Joseph, and sort of be that secondary attacking option be- up there behind Joseph. Because no matter how you look at it, that's an elite
1: front three. It is, Joseph oh, yeah. Barco, PT, sure. that is great. What Are I was, you kidding me? I wouldn't, any team, is, I don't care what form PT is in, I wouldn't want to see that. very good. Ever. And I think, now the real, que- and I think the back four is good too. There's a question at left back, but I think you can hide a weakness at left back if you're yep. strong across the uh, the rest of the back four. Well, George Bellow's the biggest wild card. Yeah, yeah and like, Bellow's a, right? Bello. a wild card. Maybe you do some business between now and the season. You're obviously, you've been linked with some left backs, so we'll see. But the middle of the pitch, and this does speak to what you were saying with Rosetto, or Rosetto Eric, is to me the most fascinating part because you're not going to play a back three with two center mids and then you're two center mids are Rosetto and Heidman. You won't right. be able to defend anyone through the middle. So... Almost it's where
2: Lorenowitz comes in.
1: Right, but are you going to play <laughs> Rosetto and Lorenowitz, and then you're going to sit Heinemann on the bench, who you spend all this money for? I really think his entrance gives way to the same system, but a little different and more of a 4-3-3, where you have Heinemann, Rossetto and then a 6, Lorentowitz or Remedi playing in front of the back four. And that's really where my question comes into play, because... I don't know, I don't, I mean, we know Jeff Lawrence can't play a full season, a match in a match out. Now you say that, he played a
2: lot more last season, quite frankly, you're than right. I thought he was going to you're play, right. and hey, you know, maybe... he actually if, said the last two seasons. That's true. You're and, right. And, and, and you're maybe right. he comes into this season, it's you know, just kind of a hypothetical here, maybe he's like, look, this is going to be my last season. You're right. I'm going to go full bore ap- the entirety yeah, of so. the time, if I crap out, so be it. If that's the case, then maybe Atlanta United has a six maybe for the so. year, because quite frankly... Just looking at what I saw last season, and especially if Atlanta United is going to be pushing forward a lot more in a sort of newer approach from Frank de I would trust Lorenowitz way oh, more yeah. in that number six role than I would Eric. Remetti.
1: Yeah, and, I, and you, you, when he's on the field, you have to trust him. But again, I it's it's very risky to go into the season and and assume what you're saying, Sam. Of course, absolutely. And yet, of course, you would yeah agree. But um uh that okay, Jeff Lorenowitz is going to be our six, and Eric Rometti the positional discipline is not his thing so my,
0: my thing my, my bigger thing is that i i don't i don't i don't trust remetti if regardless of the positioning regardless of the formation and i'm thinking more if rosetto is going to be a main fixture in the lineup i have a, i just have a, more of a feeling it's going to be a four four man back line
1: exactly and I so totally, it, if agree. Case, totally agree if
0: that's the case i cannot trust remetti to split the center backs no, and be the third and, center back. And, I can't, I can't and, do
1: that. And that's huge when you have a system where, like I just said, both your fullbacks go forward. You're, you're playing Heinemann and Rosetto, who are both going to go forward. Hindman will be in that Nagby spot, we imagine. He does come back and try and defend, but he's not a particularly good defensive player. This is where
2: Atlanta United are going to miss Nagby. You've got to
1: have a very, very good six there. And even last year with Nagby, you, you saw the team struggled with a that's lack true. of balance. And I think it's very dangerous to go into the season relying on Lorenowitz, who, while he fits the player profile to be there perfectly, I think, as a disciplined six, don't think that he can play week hoss, in, week man. out. I mean, agree, I agree. <laughs> Rometty, who I don't think has the discipline to sit in that gap, like you said, Eric, and stay there, so he, you have enough players to protect against the counter. I don't think Mo Adams plays a role. I think maybe you either ha- if you want to go four three three, I think you've got to do more business. Whether it's a Viasanti coming in, I we haven't heard anything about him, uh, but I think you I think you need to add to that center mid a little bit, just so you have a little bit more balance when you go to that three center mid system.
2: Because but, hey, Eric just kind of hit the so like you talk about overcrowding in the midfield. You bring in another center mid yeah. after like all, I mean, I am gonna be more defensive. Well, of course, but I'm still saying like you've got Rametti and Lorenowitz and you know insert whoever you would bring in. You bring in one of those mm-hmm. guys. You know, it's probably going to mean the drop in minutes for Rometty. Does Rometty turn into sure. the new Vijalba in terms sure. of like a guy that just doesn't have a fit mm-hmm. really in the team?
0: So what I would say is that I don't think you need anything right now. I think the I think you want depth. I think you want depth across the board. Well, as Eric much thinks they're you selling Barco in the summer anyway. So what? But I don't think you need. I don't think you need a CDM right now. I think you can wait until the summer to make <laughs> you're, that. You're pick probably right. Barco, right. maybe not for CCL. Okay, that's a different discussion. But but I'm with you. I'm with but yeah, you. But over over throughout the course of the entire season, I think you can wait till the, the summer transfer window to really make something happen in, in that department if that ends up being a need. I, I think that this team is very much a in that in that position of need category. They're like a, all right, well, let's see what we got with what we have.
1: I mean and you're in a much better position with the Rosetto signing than you than you were a week ago because you can, even though maybe you do not have the best option at six you want, at least you can go to that midfield three when you want to. Yeah. And before, you really couldn't because you're going to go Rometty, R- 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 Lorenowitz, Heinemann. I just I mean, that's I just, not going to happen. The, the
0: way I see it in a 4-3-3, <laughs> if you're talking about Barco and Pity coming back into the midfield a little bit, then I'm like, where's everyone going to move? It's going to be very crowded. Well, it's going to be easy to defend, I think. We'll have
1: to do a talk in tactics on this, but I think you have PT. And we'll see what happens. I think you have PT go high up the pitch and almost become a second striker, and, and so Barco drops yeah. into pockets of space. And then you have but either again. That's very ambitious. That's a very ambitious tactical system so, you want to
0: play. The other thing that I think we noticed in in, in this match against uh, Elsborg is that uh, the fluidity of the attack. Everyone moved everywhere. So that that's the one thing yeah. I think that regardless of where you know Rosetto's playing. Um where, where Barco's playing, where Pity's playing, it's gonna there's gonna be a lot of fluidity. There's gonna be a lot of movement in, in between uh, those players. I don't think anyone's gonna be
1: kind of fixed to one part of the field. And that's why we say don't get obsessed with formations Because it's, really, it's yeah. more about the shape and the system that you play and how it changes when you go forward and when you come back in defense. And like you said, Eric Because I mean if ult- this works, it's gonna be a lot of fun to watch.
0: Ultimately Barco and Pity can play can interchange as much as they want. Absolutely. I think him, Rossetto and uh, Barco, Rossetto and Pitti and Pitty can, can do that as well. In theory. You could even yes. you could even Rosetto do Hyman could, as well. And, you,
1: you're but re- in, you're right. In theory Rossetto could go up and Barco yeah. could drop in, you know, depending on the type of team you're playing. Maybe that's the way you attack a bunker is you have, you know, you're like, all right, we don't have to defend with all three center mids. Let's just throw Rossetto high up the pitch and have those four interchange and pull the defenders around. So you have lots of options now in the attack. I my, think my hope, by, by by moving him by, by having him in the lineup. I think the important thing is the chemistry. It's great that they're all yeah. well.
0: This is Rosetto's Brazilian, so hopefully knows some Spanish. But uh, at least they're all South American. They speak hopefully Portuguese. can. How dare you assume hopefully. that? <laughs> <laughs> hopefully
1: can. Uh, I bet he speaks some Spanish. I, I, how I, dare you assume <laughs>
0: that?
2: The heck's wrong with you guys? This is 2020. If I can
1: have I discussions saw, about tr- uh, Paraguayan transfer fees in Spanish on Twitter, <laughs> Rosetto can do it. Himself, I, I just hope that the uh, the
0: <laughs> the chemistry <laughs> is great. Poor between team. the attacking players, yeah,
1: um, going to be interesting, right? I'd say personnel really, wise, I love it, but it's oh how, yeah. Same. How, how are they going to mix? How are they going to mix? I'm worried about because how if they, we're talking about Roseto being mesh.
0: being being a close replacement for for Almirón. Yeah, I all think, of a sudden I'm like, all right, uh, well, now you've got everyone's attention. I well, think you're turning they, on
2: the Jets a that, lot
0: more. Not only that, but you've you've piqued everyone's interest and
1: and you've put yeah, a right. hell of a lot of expectation on this kid. You're right. And I think who, you know I think
0: 70 appearances. It, it's
1: almost unfair because we're more saying when people say it's more from a stylistic standpoint, he's more like Miguel on where yeah, he's an attacking center mid, but he covers so much ground. He pops up in pockets of space out wide. I I'm interested to see if he has the defensive effect. Uh, that Almiron had just as far as his effort and things like that. So it's a player profile that's similar to, to Almiron, but surely uh, it's a yeah. the expectation to say you're going to be that guy. In the, Atlanta. Thing that's,
0: the thing that sticks out is, is his, his ability, at least on tape, his ability to uh, take the ball, turn, and go up the field. It look, much it like, looks Almiron, like Almiron. Almiron. Much like Almiron. Yeah, I mean, uh, and that's it, what was missing, I think, last year. That's what made every. It, okay, I know we've, we've killed the Almiron thing, but that's what made. Atlanta United so fun to watch in 2017 and 2018. Is that Alameda ability to do that? Well, you started to see yeah. Barco start to do it a little bit. But that's not his game, though. It's it, not, but... But in a different way, yeah.
2: But that's the thing. It's not his game, but it's a part of his game that over the course of 2019... Developed like he got better and better at it, and
0: I think now that you have he's got those short man strides. He does. It's not the same,
2: (laughs) but but, I mean, you know, it's it's not necessarily about how you get from point A to point B, but that you get there, and that's kind of like you know the fact that he was growing and maturing into being able to play not that role but a similar to that
0: role. I think if you add someone like Roseto to, to the to the equation and he does everything we think he's going to do, or, or to some degree what we think he's going to do, uh, Barco continues to kind of uh, uh, affect Pity the way he sort of did last year. I think Pity's going to find himself in a position that he's, one, much more comfortable with and, and a position that's much more similar to what he had river Plate. where he was – I mean, we've already mentioned it before, but what he's basically – not waiting for the ball in the final third but he's in a position where he's attacking the ball rather than coming back and and having to create like kind of out of thin air
2: I will say this we talked predominantly and rightfully so because that's you know it's it's like any other sport offense and scoring is going to be what you know people are more interested to want to talk about but ultimately I just keep going back to how all of this is going to affect Atlanta United defensively what shape are they going to take defensively what you know type of back line are they going to play and then if business is done or not done you know how are they going to cover for the fact that yeah they're going to be down on the other end of the field a lot and there are a lot of teams mm-hmm. in MLS that can hit you on that counterattack and make you pay if you commit too much going yeah, forward.
1: yeah the, the balance part of it is huge for that reason and actually just want to bring up something we haven't mentioned actually one of our uh, listeners here in the live chat Kirk Castle brings up a great uh, possible scenarios that you go midfield three or excuse me back three you go Jaime Roseto but then you have a player like Mesa who played a lot of CDM at, in Liga MX? Step into that six role when you go forward. So that, that that's an option as well.
2: Yeah, you said Escobar. Let's not do that. Let's have. Mesa yeah, Escobar in there. But I think Mesa and
1: hey Anton Walks <laughs> is another player. Yeah. So maybe I, on purpose you've acquired these two center backs who can also step up into that CDM position exactly well, for this. You can morph the formation. They can protect the defenders when we go forward. So, in so the maybe that's
2: Eric's point of not needing to go right now and go buy. Sure, yeah, absolutely. It, it, I
0: mean, it kind of leaves to my next question. Thank you, Kurt. Good point. Is what we thought about Mesa. Because I thought he looked great, and and if and if you were to ask me to, I like him too. Kind of supplant him into that 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 six role. I'm like, all right, I'm in. Let's see what happens. I think he'd fit. You throw walks in there. We already know what he's got. Is, is he sort of a fan favorite? Well, I, I think so. It's yeah, a familiar so. face amongst a lot of
2: faces that aren't that familiar. I think right he is now. a fan he, he, he's favorite. He's a
0: he's a welcome uh, uh, assigning. Yeah. He's someone that we we look forward to seeing in 2020. But I remember there was some. It was like either you loved him or you hated him. Yeah, it was a classic. Uh, it was, well, I think a lot
2: of fans were like, "It's an upgrade for Mears." Yes, true. Well, yeah. <laughs> Nothing will endear yourself like there was coming in for
0: Mears. There was still a large enough uh, portion of, of the fan base, especially so I as like, a right back that didn't like yeah, it. Yeah, there was a, there was a there was a large enough portion of the fan base. I was like, "Yeah, I'll take Mears over over
1: walks." Really? Which
0: I thought was, there cra- was which I thought was crazy, but that did exist. So that's why I asked. I don't him, know. Is, I he a, is he a fan favorite? I'm not talking about I the same. I think overall,
1: as- there's an affinity. Yeah, that first year, and the, his, uh, He kind of reinvented his career that year. Yeah. and He'd come on. And we from look, Spurs, and we
0: have no idea the the progress he's made in the last year. So maybe he's he's walking into a situation. Two years. Where he, yeah. Two years. Yeah. yeah uh, where he's walking wow, into a situation cool. where uh, where well, he, he's, he's he supplants himself as the best left back we've got. Right back. Right back, I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah,
1: yeah. Maybe so, yeah. But it's interesting. I, I, yeah, I mean, you've got two center backs that can step up into the six role. Uh, so maybe that's part of the plan for him. I'm really interested to see if he, and we're going on a tangent here, if he fits the system as a right back. Because one thing we saw under Tata Martino, he was pretty good as a right back. And he improved going forward as the season went on but he wasn't really refined doing that. So it would be interesting to see if that's a part of his game that he's improved over the last two years, in which case I think we'll see him at right back quite a bit more than than we expect.
0: I'm curious. So, all right, so looking into uh, this Saturday, Atlanta, takes on Bur- Atlanta United takes on Birmingham Legion. What would you like to see personally just to you know going into the rest of 2020?
1: Uh, more of the same from a system standpoint, like you said, Eric. I mean, like you said, too, Sam, I think... There was an understanding of, of what needed to be done, and clearly it's aesthetically pleasing. So I definitely want more of that, but I want to see a little bit more balance. Uh, again, if you look at that Elsporn game, you I mean, based on the first 20, 25 minutes, you would think you're going to win four or five goals, but you were always open on the counter, and in time, Elsporns start to create more and more chances and start to get more comfortable. So I want to see the same pleasing, aesthetic, attacking soccer that we saw, but also with a balance, I think, to protect against the counter as well, which is very hard to do, and which is why what Frank DeBoer wants to do is so ambitious. I'm also looking to see, as we just discussed, um, what... System to use with your center midfielders with Roseto now in the lineup. Do you go to the midfield three? Do you stick with a back three and and, and, and and try to play that system uh, uh, that Kurt mentioned with one of your back three stepping up into the six role? What do you do? So I'm I'm really interested to see how he handles the middle of the field and then also if the team makes progress from a balance standpoint because we already know that they're good going forward.
0: I do want to see if Roseto ends up making the start. Well, uh, plays a substantial amount of minutes with what would be the starting eleven. Uh, I'm hoping that this game, this match is, is is the starting 11. What Frank DeBoer assumes the starting yeah. 11 is going to be I think for the majority of the season. Um, that's my hope, because I want to see what that looks like altogether, especially if we're going to talk about adding uh, Roseto in there. Um, if you're looking at trying Meza at the 6, I'd love to see that. See who else you have yeah. at left back. Yeah. Um, I, I was a fan of Mulraney. I was a fan of... Uh, I thought he was great. Castillo. I was a fan of uh, Lennon. Brooks Lennon played great. Uh, did you see that one play where... I forget who got it to Joseph, but Joseph then got it to Lennon then Lennon back to Joseph. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. No. He
1: looked very I thought he played very well and he's he's got a lot of pace. Good 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 fit. Again, a very, a perfect fit for what Frank Debor wants to do. A very attack-minded wide midfielder or a right back. I really Where's, thought Josh was about to go top lad. Oh <laughs> I, <laughs> top I said that earlier, top I lad. think. Um,
0: and then we, we we spent a lot of time talking about the possibility of Hyman not playing very much this season or being the Tito of, of 2020. It would be so
1: weird, though.
0: I, I agree. He's on
1: 800K or whatever. So here's the deal.
0: Remember, his his deal was that he was a a, a loan to with an obligation to, yeah. to to buy. So maybe they could just kind of they were just kind of stuck with him at that point. I don't know
1: what the buy option looks like. Or the buy obligation looks like. I don't know once. if it was an obligation or not, but it didn't seem like there was ever a question that he would not be purchased. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. But you gave him a lot of money, right. And you lost Nagby. You you knew you you kind of knew last year you were gonna lose Nagby, or at least the clue that was out there. I think the idea was you bring him in. There's no coincidence as the he Nagy comes in in yeah. June, July. Yeah. So.
0: Um. But no. How did how did you think he looked? Because I thought he had some good moments. Um, some not so great moments yeah but I, and the only real focus i had was defensively cuz if he's going to if he's in the conversation of uh, of being a starter at in that role in that defensive center mid role what does he look like in those moments
1: i think he has to do what nagby did just do yeah. you know be so good on the ball that it covers for your maybe defensive liabilities because you don't have to come back and defend. And then secondly, just, you got to do your best. Because Darlington Nagby was, you know, we're sitting here saying Hyman's not a good fit uh, to to be playing either as the second holder or playing as the box-to-box midfielder with a six playing behind him. But Nagby was a little bit like that, too, where it was like, eh, was he going to hold up defensively and physically? But he was so good on the ball didn't matter, that he got right. away with it. So heinemann has got to be that good. And he does have a lot of those same traits and just... <laughs> do his best yeah. defensively, and then you got to hope you have a six behind him that's that's covering and is disciplined and is winning those fifty fifty balls that maybe Hyman or Rossetto can't win higher up the pitch down the middle.
0: Very curious to see what uh, this looks
1: like moving forward. Yeah. I'm fascinating. I'm I'm very yeah. excited for the season. A lot of people Same. aren't, but it's 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 a, it, you know you're gonna get a pure you're gonna get a, a final idea of what Frank DeBoer wants to do because he's got the players he wants. And you're kind of going into a new era in the sense of the new players you've brought in. So I'm very excited to watch this team play. It's
2: also a lesson in like being an MLS team's fan because like, quite yeah. frankly,
1: you're just going to have player rotation That's year in and
2: year out. Like Atlanta United hasn't really dealt with it as much, other than really like Miguel Almirón going before last season. Like I think that was the first one where people were like, "Dang, you know, this team's changing." And then obviously this season they've undergone massive changes to the roster. But it looks like these are going to be changes that are ultimately going to fit what the manager wants to do and, quite frankly, might make some more fluidity both on and off the field from the team, which could lead to better team chemistry, could lead to a more unified sort of message, and, and, and you know maybe less turmoil, I guess, as uh, there was, quite frankly, a good bit of that last season.
0: And as much as the season is kind of upon us at this point, Atlanta might be not be done um, acquiring players. You've got... Um, the rumor that Delaneyat is in pursuit of Uruguayan winger Manuel Castro. And I'm all for Uruguayans in the lineup. I
1: know that. You sure are.
0: Uruguayos. Alves Uriantes in Argentina. De La Plata in, in Argentina. Um, apparently, they're pretty close to getting that wrapped up, if you believe the reports. So, look, it'd be interesting to see what, what he brings to the table. I got to think that with everything you've already got, he's more of a depth piece. Uh But that's yet to be seen. We'll see if this actually... Pans out before we really dive into it uh, began just another player that uh, Elena might be going after and other news today. We had the release of the kit. The new like just literally the secondary like, uh, kit for Atlanta United, uh, the uh, white with the gold trim.
2: It's already on uh, MLSstore.com if
0: you want to buy one. We've already Ooh. killed that conversation.
1: Yeah, but, uh, what do you guys think about the three stripes? Or are the three stripes <laughs> going to be on the thing? Are they going to be on both? I mean, nah, come I'm, on, not Eric. Even, I'm not even going to go down. If the you want to hear uh, that discussion, just go to the last ten minutes of last week's podcast. Yeah, I
2: want to uh, apologize
0: for that. I'm.
1: <laughs> and and <laughs> we have killed this conversation. Your ears and will bleed. I know. It'd be that I never again want to go back to uh, well, talking about kits. I like I like, uh, they look good, right? I mean, it, this has seemed like a more positively received kit than. Uh, I'm not into these the, the kit side of things, but it seems like this has been more positively received than the last few iterations.
2: First of all, go look at Atlanta United's new header photo on Twitter. Awesome! It's got Barco sporting this thing, wearing a
0: crown. It's mm, very. Uh, I do love the fancy. the aesthetics behind this thing, and I do love that they're they're. It's all about the golden age. The and, king's kit is what we're so calling. So now you. Now you really got to show up, though.
2: Well, you know, they went from King's Peach to the King's Kit. I mean, you know, they they really, really like the King aesthetic, which, quite frankly, is something that they've uh, they've built on. You know, it's funny how Atlanta United started, and, and this was one of our biggest points of contention, I think, before the team even kicked the ball, was sort of the aesthetics, the in-stadium, I guess, uh, promotion of the team. And, you know, it, it's been a lot about the railroad spike and the train horn and stuff. And that was all well and good, but it seems like this whole kind of king mantra has really taken on something of its own almost to where yeah. it's almost like Atlanta United, yeah, you obviously know him for the spike and stuff, but oh, King Peach, Joseph being the king of the less goals.
0: You know, it's 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 pretty cool. You it know it's what's gonna happen. What's we've that? already we've uh, we've already figured out what the mascot's gonna be at some point.
2: Oh it's gonna be like a like a like a king of some yeah. sort.
0: We're going to adopt the uh, Burger King king. What's his oh. name? Oh. I forget what his name is. I don't think he has a name, does he? I don't know. I thought he's just the king. He's just the, the king. king. There you go. Yeah. He'll end up being in the Elan. Well, you mascot. know, there
2: was that one uh, Spanish team. It was Gatafe, maybe? I can't.
1: Getafe, I, yeah. They had the Burger they King. They had the uh, Burger guy.
2: King like, he uh, loves mascot
1: this up every time. Yeah, so you. <laughs> <laughs> I love that jersey. <laughs> it's you know amazing.
2: You like flip when you flipped it. Because that's the thing. A lot of soccer celebrate. You score a nice goal, you take your body jersey, flip it up over your head. Burger King was like. Hey, marketing opportunity! We're gonna sponsor the inside of your jersey so that when your players score and they pull it up over their head, Burger their king. face is oh, covered by my... the king. <laughs> like that was legit, Fantastic. a, a yeah. m- before its time marketing opportunity. So yeah, that, that could be something we see Atlanta United have going down the road.
0: All right, well the new kit out. You can be sure to grab that. All sorts of uh, apparel to go along with it. Speaking of apparel, before we take off, Lucid FC distinctly, distinctively modern clothing line based right here in Atlanta. Uh, sponsor of the podcast. It reflects a deeply British American heritage design approach to to clothing. Uh, promotes freedom and fashion, freedom of fashion, gender and role. The brand's iconic logo is immediately recognizable. Lucid FC clothing is creative and functional. Pants, outerwear, hats. Big fan of the hats, shirts, hoodies. Uh, Lucid FC footwear and clothing. That's what the FC stands for. Uh, perfect match for all football club. Fans,
2: you know what would look really good with your brand new Atlanta United Kings kit? A sweet Lucid FC
0: hat. There you go. There you I go. do really like those hats. <laughs> <laughs> they are cool, man. Check them out at www.lucidfc.us uh, um, and see why they're the uh, talk of the town right now. Lucid FC at Lucid FC on social media on yeah. Twitter
1: and uh, Instagram and and I just want to plug these guys one more time because these these are true. They're they're from Atlanta, and I said this last week, but this is, you're truly supporting a really good local brand. These guys put so much into their craft, and they've been so successful. So you know, it's not like you know we're just picking up some generic sponsorship here. We really love these guys and believe in their product, and they have done so much building uh, their brand from the ground up. Certainly, we could learn a thing or two yeah. uh, in that sense. So this is this is real. Uh, aside from that, it's great clothing. You're, you're supporting a legitimate. Brand legitimate people, Atlanta people. Uh, so so yeah, go get it. It's good stuff.
0: Uh, check them out. Check out the store if you can. Go online. Check them out. Lucidfc.us. And if you do go to the store, let them know the Malls of the South podcast. Yeah,
1: you can essential. just put Mots if you want. All right. Any the final Mots thoughts centers. before we take off? Uh, nope. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Josh B nine one four. Thanks. Are you for listening. going? Are you going to the mm-hmm. game? Are you, either. Of you I'm going not game? going to Birmingham. No not one me. wanted. I wanted to, but no no one wanted to go. So I'm I'm out. Well, you know, there's a
0: contingent of atlanticide fans that are going to the yeah but you know Atlanta, they you don't could have like just me. tagged along with i them. should have
1: done that in retrospect <laughs> i hear there guys, are people going guys guys josh needs a friend i need a friend none of josh, my friends maybe more than one someone be my friend let's have friend tryouts <laughs> for me
2: <laughs> all i know is like i don't want to sully the memory of my first uh you know game in uh in birmingham usa ecuador oh, all hey, those you know years what? ago you know just, back in, just, in the day i just want to leave i don't know if i've We've talked about this on this have podcast. I, have I
0: told the story before about us going in uh, our our uh, previa minivans, talking over the walkie talkies? Wait, no. Them. You, were,
2: you were in a previa because I was probably in a previa as well on my way there. We you had like one a, those big white like Toyota vans.
0: Yeah, we had like a yeah. caravan of previas, and we were, all had walkie talkies. We That's in This is before this is before the cell phones were the big thing. <laughs> all had walkie talkies, and we were close enough in range, and we just. Talked crap about each other and one guy would speed past us and was like oh he's got to go take a dump or something like that
2: that was the first uh, kit i ever bought well my dad bought us all ecuador jerseys and we warmed that game and then like at halftime usa was winning like three to nothing and i went to like the merchandise stand and my dad was so mad because it was like 90 bucks and he <laughs> bought like you know all of us these these jerseys and like i remember putting that thing on my first u.s soccer jersey and being like man this is awesome, and then like you know, a, a thousand jerseys later, I'm getting ready to buy this darn Kings kit. All the monies, but yeah, the, the Birmingham uh, Legion game that should be fun. If you are going there, have a lot of fun. Follow us on Twitter. We'll be uh, talking about it
0: at M O T S Podcast at Sam J Franco right here. Uh, you can find me at Eric G Again, Like on the podcast at M O T S Podcast. Uh, follow us on Instagram at M O T S Podcast. If you're jealous of my hat, lose it FC. That, that is good. good. Get after it. Make sure you're uh, tuning into the radio show. Because I think I'm gonna turn that into a call-in show. This is cool. Straight we, up We should, we should show. have led. We'll have to lead with this next week. If you paid attention this far, you got the good. It's gonna be all like takes. Call in with your takes. So if you look on Instagram right now, there's a a uh, a snippet of what it sounded like. And I just kind of thought about it. Well, it's not. It's not like it's a unique idea. But I thought about really pulling the trigger on it last last week, like about five minutes before the show. I said, you know what, Chris? Let's turn on the uh, turn on the phones yeah. and see what producer. happens.
1: I think it's great, right? Because it offers something a little different than what we do here. The, my real question is, will Eric allow people to complete their thought without interrupting them uh, within ten seconds?
0: <laughs> listen sure. to first of all, listen to the teaser on Instagram, and then decide if I if I'll let people. Okay, finish, I, I, okay? I saw. Okay, Josh okay, and I are just going to yeah. start
2: calling in and like you know prank call. Blame
0: Eric. <laughs> yeah, my name is Seymour Butts. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Hello. Is Oliver there? Off. Uh, Oliver, close off the rails. All right. We'll talk about uh, Birmingham Legion next week. Yeah. Until right. next time. See you later, Lana.
2: Bye.